It's time for the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. It's time for the game on ESPN 1400. For the next two hours, we'll get an in-depth look at local sports in the eastern Upper Peninsula and Algoma region and hear from the coaches and players involved in the game. We'll also analyze the college and pro sports scene across the region and dive into the biggest national stories. Now, let's get to the game and join your host, Scott Nason. Greetings and salutations and welcome to the game on ESPN 1400 and online at thegamesportshow.podbean.com. As the man said, my name is Scott Nason, broadcasting from our ESPN 1400 studios in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan on this Monday, April 12th, 2021. The game, the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show back after a few weeks off the air due to playoff basketball, and certainly great to be back here on the game. We'll be with you up until 8 o'clock tonight talking local, regional, and national sports, and our first guest is here in studio. No stranger to our airwaves, the voice of Sioux High Blue Devil Athletics on 1230 WSO and host of Coach's Corner. Also on 1230 WSO, Dave Watson joining us on the game. Dave, great to see you once again, and welcome back to the game. It's great to be back, Scotty. Well, it's great to have you, Dave, as uh, you and I have been talking a lot over the past few weeks, but we haven't had a show due to playoff basketball, so I thought it was a good time to bring in kind of recap the winter local sports that we covered and talked about here on the game and look ahead to the spring sports. So let's start looking back at the winter sports season locally with girls high school basketball, Dave. And let's start with the team that advanced the furthest, the Rudyard Bulldogs. They finished tied for first in the EUP conference during the regular season, also made a good showing in the Straits Area Conference Rudyard won their district by defeating Newberry, had an 18-point comeback in their regional semifinal win against Cedarville. They won their first-ever regional over Mackinac City due to COVID-19 and the Comets, unfortunately for them, having to COVID out. And then in the quarterfinal last Monday, they were right there leading by five in the fourth quarter against Kearney Nadu before getting beat as Rudyard ends their most successful season in school history at 12-6, and six, winning their first regional and making it to their first quarterfinal. And Dave, that Rudyard team you saw while covering the Suhai Blue Devils and other times, uh, certainly Carlos and Coco Molina and that coaching staff did a great job with that program this season. Just a tremendous job. And as far as they went and had a very good chance to even go further, I was uh, pleasantly surprised at how uh, tight they kept it with Kearney Nadu. And really, if you look at the fourth quarter, listening to you and Ray call the game from Nagani last week, I think they probably should have won the game. And I'm sure Carlos was kicking himself on some things as well. But overall, just a great job by him and his wife and uh, that whole program. And, you know, they had to deal with some adversity and different things. And, of course, even in the tournament, they had, I think, uh, five or six kids yeah, gone. Yeah, four or five out. Yeah, yeah they, gone at uh, spring break or whatever. And then I think uh, they may have had a few of them come back at the end there. But uh, they, they were able to battle through it and uh, won a big game against uh, Cedarville in the Sioux that you called. and. 
in the regionals. And that was the, the big turning point when they came from behind to beat them. But just a tremendous job by uh, Carlos and, and Rudyard. The girls went, went far. It's the farthest they've gone in a long time. Yeah, they certainly did. And especially during a challenging year, not just battling COVID, David, all these teams we're going to talk about had the, had the same issues battling COVID. And then with, you know, spring break, you know, that's something at the beginning of the season, teams haven't had to deal with because the beginning of the season usually is in November and December. Teams don't start until early February. The schedule was compact and that made the playoff tournament into April. So certainly coaches had to deal with a lot of different things. And the way I look at it, Dave, any team that had success this year got to make next year, all things considered, fingers crossed, if we get back to somewhat normal, make it a lot easier next season. I would think so, because there was a lot of pressures on on all these teams that are looking over their shoulder. I think, you know, think back to the team I cover in Sioux High, the uh, Blue Devil girls basketball team against Kalkaska. They were, it was only an eight-point game at the half. Kalkaska played well, but Sioux High just seemed like their minds were elsewhere. And, of course, at that time, it was blowing up as far as COVID positives at the school. The boys' basketball team had their season, of course, canceled. I think there was a lot on the minds of the girls and they were able to uh, adjust at halftime. And, but I think that played a big role. And I think it was the case all the way across the board. You're always looking over your shoulder because of this. And, and, and Hey, they got through it. Kudos to Mark Ewell and everybody at the MHSA, yes. everybody at these lower levels, ho- hosting these districts and regionals. And because that's not easy, especially when they've never done it to this level before with what we had to deal with. And I, I think, you know, you look at it next year, it should be, we'll cross our fingers. It's going to be hopefully back to what we're used to, at least a semblance of that. Yeah, we certainly hope so. Kearney Nadu, who knocked out Rudyard in the quarterfinal in girls basketball, they were defeated by Fowler in convincing fashion in the semifinals, and Fowler ended up routing Bel Air to win the D4 girls title on Friday, 54-20. to Boy, that Fowler outfit, they were uh, very strong. Very tough defensively, too. Just tenacious defense. And what, what, what were you telling me about Kearney Nadu? They had like 34 turnovers against Ridiculous. Them. I wasn't surprised even without, you know, knowing about Fowler going into it because I wasn't, I couldn't wrap myself around Kearney, especially after the game with Rudyard when Rudyard probably should have beat him. I, I was like, you know what? I just, I, 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 I just don't really entrust in this Kearney team. And you go back, Kearney Nadu uh, basketball, girls basketball in particular, Scott, as you well know, if anybody knows UP basketball, they've been dominant over decades. Many so, state championships. But I think the UP Hall of Famer, Paul Polfrus, they're the longtime uh, uh, head coach there for the girls team. And he went to the Breslin Center many times. But, you know, this team did well, but you, you could just see that something was missing and you and someone could attack it. And Rudyard probably should have beat him. And Fowler really exposed a lot of things with them in the semis. But, hey, they still made the semifinals. That's right. St. Ignace in Division Three, they won their district. And... Uh, faced an undefeated Calumet team in their regional final in Sault Ste. Marie, taking the Copper Kings to overtime before losing and ending a run of 11 straight regional titles. Calumet would go on to knock off Maple City Glen Lake in the quarterfinals before falling to Kent City 59-53 to in the state semifinals. And Grass Lake, they would win Division Three girls basketball final on Friday as they edged out Kent City 52-50. to uh, Anytime a, a school, even not in our area, Dave, wins their first ever state championship. That's certainly something special for that program. It is, and that was a really good game. It was. And, and it was uh, tight all the way through. Kent City had a really good program to public schools, too. A lot of and public schools a lot in of the public finals schools. this year, yeah. yeah and that, that, that was very
very good to see as well. And you know, the whole thing with Grass Lake, you know, you know, near Jackson, they they were dominant all season long, and it's it's nice. It was nice to see them get the title, and a, good to see a good game. And Kent City battled them pretty tough in that game. Sioux High girls, uh, certainly a great season this year. They ran up against a hot Escanaba team in the regional semifinals as they were knocked out of the tournament, ending their year at 14-2. and two. Escanaba would advance to their first ever quarterfinal where they fell to Portland, who ended up winning the D2 girls basketball title on Friday, knocking off Nuego 52-32. to 32. And Dave, this senior class for the Sioux High Blue Devils, they didn't lose much, uh, not just at Sioux High, but middle school and even before that. Certainly, uh, Sioux High and, and this program, uh, you know, they didn't get the, the tournament run that they wanted, but certainly overall, great, great careers for all those seniors. Yeah, they had that 28-game winning streak that spanned last year when COVID was, uh, shut them down. And then uh, this year it looked really good. Uh, and then uh, they lost to a Marquette team that didn't have a lot of wins, but uh, is a very well-coached team and uh, much better than their three wins. And Marquette was an embodiment, I think, of really good UP basketball that they had to face. But, you know, the one thing with uh, Sioux High, I had a feeling that they were going to be in trouble with Escanaba because it's always tough to beat a team that battles you hard, you know, uh, four times in a row, and it would, that's what it would have been. Yeah. They beat Suhai, beat them the le- previous three, and they were all close games. And Nicole Kameen, I think, is the best player in the UP. And, you know, that's my opinion. I, I would, uh, if I had a vote, I'd vote her UP Player of the Year over uh, the uh, young lady from Emma Anderson from uh, Menominee. But uh, you know, Escanaba, I think the key with them against Suhai in that uh, regional semifinal was. Other players showed up, yeah. And you know the Carney, uh, the Salo uh, kid, Carney uh, Salo played really well. She had 19 points. They had five players in double figures. They wanted it. They were determined, and they showed that they were the best basketball team on that night. And Suhai just ran out of gas. And I think the other thing too that the, that uh, the Blue Devils struggled with is they did not have that one player that could carry you and say, "Jump on my back, I'll take you to the promised land." They had a bunch a bunch of good players, but they didn't have that one. One player that could carry you. Claire Erickson might be that player down the road. She's not there yet, but uh, you know, it's still a heck of a run by Sue High. Division One girls basketball f- final from Friday. It was Hudsonville knocking off Detroit Renaissance by the score of 65 to 61. Scott Nason and Dave Watson here on the game. Uh, Prof, let's move to the boys basketball finals and the team that advanced the furthest, the Rudyard Bulldogs as they advanced to their first state semifinal since 1963. And that year, they were defeated by River Rouge in Class B. This year, they won their district over Newberry, cruised in their regionals over Mackinac City and Delanson, and in their quarterfinal against Cardi Nadu before being, un- before being defeated rather by Wyoming Tri-Unity Christian by the score of 61-43 to on Thursday in the state semifinal. E.J. Suggett, who passed the 1,000-point mark as a Bulldog in the regionals, had 19 points on Thursday. Tate Bestman added 13. Both those players will be back for their senior season, but on Thursday, Dave, as you watched and saw, it was too much Brady Titus for the defenders. He had a game-high 28 points as the Bulldogs they cut the lead to four midway through the second quarter but just couldn't get any closer ending their ending their successful season 
at 18 and 3. Tri Unity would face Detroit Douglas in the state final on Saturday in the Breslin Center and were defeated 47 to 41 in that game. Pierre Brooks II, who was going to Michigan State, had 15 points in what was a very high quality and caliber D4 title game. And, you know, Dave, looking at this Rudyard team, certainly a very successful season and nothing tells me otherwise that next season will be as good. Well, and you're exactly right, Scotty, with the fact that they have a lot of guys coming back. And uh, I think uh, right now it looks pretty good for Rudyard uh, next year. And you know, this ran into a buzzsaw in Wyoming, Trinity Christian. I think it was a it was a big key for them making it to the semifinals. I was thinking thinking of this listening to you and Ray on Thursday, and that is, uh, you know, hey, you made it there. Yeah, now they got the uh, the awe, the bright yes. lights, and looking around, and you know, of course, with the mouths wide open and that for you, a bunch of kids from the UP. Now you got that out of the way. I think Cedarville went through that. Every yep. team in the UP went through that, and now you have that out of the way. So. If they're able to get back down there next year, which is a very good chance they will, that uh, they won't be in awe, you know, because been there, done that. At least that should be the case because they have a lot of guys coming back. Future's bright for Redyard, I think. And, uh, you know, kudos to Jimmy Suggett and, of course, uh, Coach Peterson, who's one of the class gentlemen in coaching Absolutely. over the years, did a tremendous job coaching Redyard in his first tenure, helped out Matt Johnson in uh, Pickford there for a while, and now with his son, uh, who is a part <laughs> of the key clog, a very yes. good young guard. Along with some key guys, EJ Suggett and those guys coming back, that's this team is going to be poised to, I think, make another run. And uh, they did well. They getting all the way down there and losing to a team like Wyoming Triunity Christian. That's a team that's been there eight million times, and they have guys that uh, been there, done that. It is not their first rodeo, and that. That Titus kid's the real deal. Yeah, and you look at, uh, you mentioned Cam Peterson, a freshman. You look at also uh, Doug and Doreen's son. In, uh, I can't think of his first Johnny. name. Johnny Ingles, both freshmen. Think of them in three years. That's that's pretty scary. That's another team to look out for. Yes. St. Ignis Boys Basketball. They're, they they improved from the first time I saw them in the Sioux when Sioux High beat them, and then they beat the Blue Devils in the return game down in St. Ignis, and they got better and better and better. And Johnny Ingles uh, is going to be a very good guard, I think, in the state down the road. But look out for St. Ignis Basketball as well down the road. And Dave, you mentioned Sioux High boys unable to participate in the postseason, both Brimley teams along with the Pickford girls uh, unable to participate due to COVID-19 and other protocols. Uh, the Blue Devils 5-10 and 10 on the season. Uh, looking at this team down the road, Dave, uh, certainly they have some size and talent coming up on the squad, also through the JV. I, I think uh, Coach Fitner's been, Fitzner's been looking at this group, kind of the freshman sophomores now once they get to varsity, I think this Blue Devil team will be much improved. Future's bright, Scott, and uh, for Blue Devil boys basketball. And the, the JV team had a really good year. I think they won 16, 17 games. Marty Terrian did a really good job with them. And, uh, of course, the freshman team had a solid year. Your son's part of that. And uh, that crew they're looking at, you know, from the Cronemeyer kid and some others coming up, they got some really good bigs. And they also have some pretty good guards, including Carter Oshelski and uh, Dom Haller, who are already on the varsity. Right. And so they got a good mix. Of bigs and with the guards and some good ball handlers, there the future's bright for Sioux High boys basketball. It, it's they're coming along, folks. Other state finals on Saturday in boys basketball at the Breslin Center in Division Three Iron Mountain, who was undefeated going into the final with all-time UP scoring leader Foster Wonders. They ran up against a buzzsaw in Flint Beecher on Saturday as they fell seventy-five to forty-seven. Wonders was scored held scoreless in the first half. He would score thirteen points as. 
he will go on to play for Southern Illinois next season. Flint Beecher under Mike Williams wins their sixth state title, Dave, in the last nine years. Not only do they have great athletes down there, and they've been Flint Beecher going back when we were kids. Absolutely. They were good at the Chrysler Center yeah. back in the day and Saginaw Buena Vista and, and them. And, you know, I think you got Flint Northern and Glenn Rice. Yep. But uh, Beecher's always been there. And uh, the one thing I said to you, you know, in uh, text messaging back and forth was, I'll tell you what, this Mike Williams, his coaching staff, you know, bravo. What a job they did on Wonders to host, to hold him to no points in the first half. What a scouting report. Yeah. What a what a brilliant job of uh, scouting uh, scouting them and the fact that uh, oh by the way they had some studs to run out there yeah, including that, that including that uh, Keenan uh, Menafield mm. I think I said his name right oh he's a bad man <sighs> that step back he did on wonders he's a junior right and, yeah and he's yeah. just a junior he did a step back you know, from about mid court. And he was about three feet from the three-point line, yeah. and he still put it nothing but nylon. And he's a tremendous player, and and they just have athletes. And not only they they coach them up well, and the kids really go out there and and play the game well. And you know what, Iron Mountain, you know they should have won two years ago. I think the officials oh. jobbed them there. <laughs> but uh, you know, kind of like what we were talking about, Rudyard, they just ran into the best team in in that division on that day, and Beecher deserved to win it, and they proved it. Division two, Grand Rapids. Catholic Central. They defeated Battle Creek Penfield 77 to 54 to win the state title. And in Division One, Grand Blank won their first ever state title as they knocked off Ann Arbor Huron. They're good. 45 to 36. That Ann Arbor team, Dave, has three Lake State commitments for next season, including Devin Womack, Kingsley Perkins, and Tyson Edmondson. Womack had 18 points, Perkins six, and Edmondson three. And that's going to be a good group coming in for Coach Hedinger. He's got to like what he sees out of those guys. Well, and there you talk about recruiting. There's another guy that, uh, you know, to, to be able to get kids to come up here to Sault Ste. Marie to play college basketball, yeah. he's done a heck of a job. And and he always uh, is able to find these studs that do well in the state championships. He had one kid uh, a few years ago. I forget the team. He was uh, near Detroit, and uh, he was playing for him. He had the backcourt mate to uh, Foster Lawyer from uh, Clarkson yeah. playing there as well. So, I mean, you know, Steve, Stevie does a wonderful job as far as recruiting and getting these guys there. It'll be fun to watch. And, you know, Lake State men's basketball has been good for a long time, and, and he's able to get these guys in here. We're going to take our first break here on the game. When we come back, then Dave and I will talk about local hockey, which has wrapped up over the past few weeks, and look ahead to the spring sports season, which is already beginning. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. It's 2021 and Reed Metals in Dafter, your honest, main source, one-stop metal recycling business serving Northern Michigan, hopes everyone has a prosperous year. If you need a few extra dollars to help with your heating bills or that trip you may want to take to the warm state of Hawaii, bring Reed Metals your unwanted scrap metals and they'll print you a check. Reed Metals is paying top dollar for whole scrap vehicles. They also buy heavy equipment, catalytic converters, radiators, batteries, rims, and motors. Reed Metals will give you an honest price without surprise fees or deductions at the scale. Bring in copper, brass, lead, tin, cast, aluminum, steel, and many more types of recyclable metals, and they'll print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals is your honest, one-stop metal recycling business. They also offer roll-off dumpster service. Reed Metals is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit ReedMetals.com or call 906-632-0018. Bring it in or have it hauled, and Reed Metals will print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals, 10 miles south of the Sioux on Mackinac Trail.
Paul Thompson here with Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service, just off I-75 in Rudyard, inviting you to stop in and see the largest selection of equipment in the eastern Upper Peninsula. To complement our full line of Mahindra tractors, we have trailers including goosenecks, dumps, cargos, car haulers, and utility trailers. We also have a full line of lawn and garden equipment with Cub Cadet and Exmark. Over 50 mowers to choose from, a full line of parts, and we service what we sell. Looking for an outdoor wood or pellet furnace or parts? We stock water pumps, exchangers, PEC supplies, and more. Also, check out our full line of Boss and Fisher snow and ice equipment. Here at Gaylor Thompson and Rudyard, we are open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and Saturdays, 9 to noon, for your convenience. Just off I-75 in Rudyard, 30 minutes from the bridge. If you need it, we have it. Give us a call at 906-478-3026. Hope to see you here. Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on ESPN 1400. 620 on the game, ESPN 1400. Scott Nason with you as we are continuing to be joined by the voice of the Sioux High Blue Devils and Coach's Corner, Dave Watson, as we do our winter local sports wrap-up. And Dave, high school hockey, Sioux High, knocked off by Alpena in the regional semifinal, ending the season at 6-6. Six and six. Alpena would win the regional and were knocked off by Calumet. In the quarterfinals, the Copper Kings would advance to the state final in D3, where they lost to a very familiar foe in Cranbrook, 4-1. to Cranbrook's first state championship since 2015, Dave, and they have now won 17 state titles since 1979. Did you see who coaches them, if it's the same guy that was up here, John LaFontaine? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. I think it's a, it was hard to tell, but it's like, I think that's John. He had a mask on. Right, right. And it sounded like yep. him. I didn't know he was uh, down there coaching. I knew he was at Shattuck St. Mary's yeah. for quite a not while. Not a bad place to go to. No, Usually no, do well. no, not at all. He gets some hardware right off the hop. Sue High certainly, uh, you know, a pretty compact season, but much improved from last season. Much improved. I think you and I both agreed there. Uh, uh, Rick Mackey did a nice job of putting this team together with, uh, of course, Richie Roach and Rex Engel and the coaching staff there. They did a nice job. And, you know, they... At the end, it kind of, you know, the same deal with the boys' basketball team as far as COVID. And, and not to use excuses, but that game in Tawas in the playoffs against uh, Alpina, uh, I think they win if they have uh, the goaltender Camden Labadee there, along with, uh, I thought, even a, as much of a hit as losing Labadee because Forgrave ended up playing in that game. The trouble was that uh, Tristan hadn't played in like right. a couple months, but he played very well. But I don't think that hurt him as much as losing a Nick Gary who they put on defense the last couple of weeks, and I really like that move, and he couldn't be there, and they were missing another player as well, and I think if they would have had those pieces, I think they would have won that game against Alpina, but still, a much improved season from a year ago, and the future's bright. Swimming and diving, the Suhai girls won their first ever UP title, topping rival Marquette. We had head coach Steve Abusta and senior Allie Robertson here on the game right after that, and you know this is something that Suhai has never done, it's a UP title. Hey, it's, they can't compete for the state title, so you might as well call it a state title. Great job by Steve Abusta with that program. I had Steve on Coach's Corner right before they went to uh, Marquette to the UP Finals, and he felt very confident uh, about the how the girls would do there, and a, a great job uh, by them. And it's always tough going up there and uh, trying to compete for a UP title and swimming, Scott, in Marquette. Oh, yeah. And, and then, of course, they always get the UP Finals there. There yep. was one year Tony Haller was able to get it as when he was AD in the Sioux. He was able to get them over here for you know, one year, but uh, they mainly are in Marquette. But what a great job by uh, 
by the Sioux High girls, uh, able to get that UP championship and bring the hardware back to the Sioux. In wrestling, Rudyard's Bradley Hall and Marion Stanton both made it to the state finals at the Van Andel Arena. Ball finished third place in his weight class and Stanton eighth. And boy, what a year for Rudyard Athletics already, Dave. And they're not done. The football team makes the playoffs. Volleyball team makes the quarterfinals. We talked about the basketball team, a couple wrestlers. And they still have baseball and softball, and you know how good those programs are. Yeah, I was going to say baseball and softball has been the anchor uh, yeah. for their athletic program for a long time. No, a great job by the wrestlers there, and uh, they've had a few good wrestlers over the years that have been able to have success, and uh, just another uh, uh, tremendous job for them, and uh, congratulations to the young fellas there. But, uh, no, a really good year for Redyard Sports. Like you said, it's not done. I think baseball and softball are going to make some noise here. I do as well. Uh, Laker hockey making it to their first NCAA tournament in 25 years after winning the WCHA playoffs for the first time. Lakers would fall to UMass in their regional game, but they fell to a pretty darn good team as UMass won the NCAA oh, hockey championship on Saturday, blanking St. Cloud 5 to nothing. Uh, Dave, you know, you have been going to the Frozen Fours for a long time, unable to this year due to attendance restrictions. But first of all, Lakers, great season. Uh, you know, Coach Witten and that staff have done such a good job to really get that program back on the national map. And that UMass program, well, they certainly are on They're on top of the map because they're NCAA champions. Great job by the Lakers, though, this year, and getting back to the NCAA tournament, winning the WCHA title. And, you know, Ashton Calder is a tremendous player. They had excellent goaltending this year. They had a lot of good depth. And uh, you and I have talked about what a job Damon Witten has done two out of the last three years. They've had really good teams, and I think they're going to continue to uh, move forward and, and get back to the NCAA tournament. And what a good blueprint to use is the uh, team that knocked them out in UMass. You know, I remember seeing UMass two years ago, Scotty, and uh, they went to the national championship game. They had Kale McCarr, yep. uh, who won the Hobie and now a stars for the Colorado Avalanche. I said, this team's going to be tough. And they had another kid there I really like, Bobby Trevino, who, who ended up being the I think the uh, most outstanding player of the tournament the other night and I said to you at the start of this look out for Trevino because I remember two years ago when they played Denver in the semifinals which was a great game went to overtime Trevino took a, a penalty in the third period a hit from behind well it was the first year they were reviewing those kind of right. hits and they kicked him right out of the game gave him a DQ so he couldn't play against Duluth well that made things a lot easier for Duluth all they had to do is track Makar and Trevino made life a lot easier on my on McCarr, but they had a lot of weapons. And then the other night, they they just did a great job. And that one goal that was scored, what a highlight oh, reel that was. Man. And it just a tremendous job. And I like the uh, coach's interview at the end, you know, how emotional he was. And I'll tell you what, you know, five years ago, they won three games. Yeah. And now they're on top of the world. And they, that was another no doubter. They deserve to win it. Ontario Hockey League, uh, we are still waiting. Uh, as far as any word there, Ontario currently in a lockdown for Give at least a at couple more weeks. Yeah, exactly. The OHL has had several return-to-play plans that haven't been adopted. We're now in mid-April, Dave, so any hopes of a season, Memorial Cup, which potentially could have or could be hosted by Sault Ste. Marie, are very much in doubt, especially when you look at the calendar, because any sort of season, if it happens after the lockdown, you're still looking at early to mid-May. 
And, you know, what are you going to have a 10 game season and then playoffs? I think all hopes for the OHL are pretty much done. And I, I've read some things where they've already said that, you know, they haven't come out, I don't think, and officially said it, but it doesn't look like the no. Memorial Cup is going to happen. And then the Ontario sports minister came out and said, <laughs> Lisa McLeod. Yeah, it's very good. And, yes. and she said, her name a lot. <laughs> and she said, along with uh, the OHL, well, we could still have a season. It's like, well, why? Just so you can crown a league champion after, like you said, ten yeah. games. I just think you you just scrap it at that. I don't, you know, I hate to say it, but and you just move on because right now, as we see in Canada, you know, things are a mess over there, and and you, I think you just wait and hopefully try to come back next fall. That's all you can do. NOJHL only had four of their twelve teams compete at the end of the season, uh, not crowning a league champion. Uh, those teams include the Sioux Thunderbirds and Blind River Beavers. The Sioux Eagles were not able to play in the NOJHL, but they did have about 20 exhibition games, uh, some against local players, D3 colleges, and the likes of Janesville and the NHL and the U.S. under-18 team. Certainly was tough for the Eagles this year, Dave, with the border closures. The plan is to get back into the NOJHL next season, but certainly there are other options I would imagine that they may have to explore. I think they're going to have to explore all options and and go from there. You know, it, it was a tough year for them, and and just a t- you know when you're in a Canadian league and 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 you're in a U.S. team, it's we're seeing the same thing in the OHL, and that's why I don't think they they are even going to be able to get going because you're dealing with cross border situations, and you know right now nobody wants a part of that. I think you know it's a good move for Bruno and uh, uh, Mr. Lavin and and Doug and all them to evaluate and and lo- overhaul everything and look at it and say, okay, what are our options? Yeah. You can't just close it down to the NOJHL because we don't know what they're going to look like come uh, August or September. Spring sports at Lake State have begun. Uh, first of all, recapping the volleyball, they fell in their final game at the GLIAC tournament in the consolation bracket to Wisconsin Parkside by a 3 nothing count. Laker tennis teams in action over the weekend. The men fell at home on Friday to Northwood by a 5-2 to two count. Women lost to Saginaw Valley on Saturday by a 4-3 to three count. You also have track and field taking place. And Dave, that brings us to the spring sports in the Eastern Upper Peninsula. As the seasons are underway for baseball, softball, track and field, girls soccer, along with golf. Certainly, there were some questions on Friday when Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer said in her press conference that due to rising COVID-19 numbers, she was recommending a two-week pause in athletics and in-person school. However, the MHSA over the weekend said their plan is moving forward as they are leaving it up to the local school districts, which at this time pretty much all appear to be making their own recommendations and allowing the games to continue. All spring sports athletes From youth sports up to high school have weekly testing requirements mandated through the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. So they think, especially with these sports being outdoors, the testing requirements and limited contact, that they will be able to do this smartly and safely. And, you know, you and I have talked a lot off air and and on air about the MHSAA. Sometimes they get a bad rap, but I'll tell you what, they have no better person in charge right now than Mark Yule. He's accessible. He's very clear. He's very professional. And he's said since he's been on your show in August and mine that he wants to see all three seasons completed. 
two out of three so far. And you look at the spring sports athletes, they didn't get anything next year or last year. So I certainly think that uh, they deserve it this year. And that was the first thing he'd said on Friday when he came out of halftime of one of the basketball games on Bally Sports and he put out his press release was, let's remember these spring kids, they didn't get any any season at all. So, no, I agree with you. I think the MHSA has done a tremendous job. I kind of had a little pause today, Scott, when I read that uh, the uh, CDC director was putting pressure on uh, on Whitmer to shut the state down. Yep. And that kind of made me wonder again. But right now, I mean, they, they're going full steam ahead. And, and I, don't, she does, I don't know if she wants to go down that rabbit hole again because she doesn't want Jamie McIlvaney and the let them play people <laughs> marching, marching out of the Capitol again, which they did very – very uh, professionally yes. and there was there was no issues but uh i i think she's very careful about this but to your point now the mhsa has handled this very well and there's been some other things you and i've talked about in the past that they have not they've done a very good job here and they have the right guy at the helm locally dave let's look at some of the spring sports starting with sioux high baseball you had their head coach chris bontrager on coach's corner on saturday the blue devils are scheduled to start their season thursday at gaylord and next monday at home against alpina the weather has cooperated for a change around here despite the rain, and we likely could have baseball on the James Field in April, as you will be covering Suhai baseball and softball on 1230 WSO this season. Uh, your sk- first scheduled broadcast is Saturday afternoon against Marquette. Uh, certainly going to be good to see baseball at the James Field, the Losey Field, Canisto Field. Suhai baseball and softball, and it's going to be great to hear you broadcasting the games. It'll be great to be back, you know, because I haven't in a few years because of the weather, and and they haven't had a lot of home games, and you know it's been issues to be able to go on the road because uh, you know the, the, you go to places that uh, they're playing, but there's a lot of wetness, and of yeah. course with our electrical yeah. cool equipment that we broadcast, with, picnic table and an outlet fifty yeah, feet away, exactly, <laughs> not exactly a press box, so you know that that's. A, those have been issues in the past, but uh, this year it looks like we'll be able to to get out there, and that's good. And uh, we hope we can start with softball on Saturday and then uh, baseball on Monday. Both coaches are uh, very optimistic. Uh, Chris Bontrager uh, has a lot of good athletes, Vinny Feebles, uh, to Jake Davey, to Bennett Swanson. And, uh, you know, he this is his third year, but it feels like his first year because right. there was no second year. And, and then Lisa's kind of in a similar boat. Lisa Schulte, the Sioux High softball coach, four four fourth year for her and uh, she has some pretty good athletes Audrey Smith who is a pretty good softball player they have some uh, quality young uh, pitchers as well and she's trying to build a program there a few years ago she didn't even have a JV program and so they just had everybody up on the varsity but now uh, they're just trying to build both programs in uh, and they both are still newer coaches but I think there's optimism with both programs in baseball and softball yeah the Sioux High softball team will start their season Thursday in Gaylord Fairwater Morning to Coach Schulte and the Suhai Blue Devils. I'm scheduled to umpire Uh-oh. that game, Dave, on Thursday. So uh, best of luck there as the uh, Suhai softball program. You know, this is a program when you and I were going to school a few years ago, uh, what wasn't even on the map. And Linda Bouvet, who we had on Coach's Corner a couple weeks ago, and I was filling in for you talking about, you know, softball and the Sioux legacies. I mean, you can't understate the tremendous job that she has done, as, as well as Lisa, to continue it to, to build that program. Well, you know, and the architect of not only the field, 
you know, because it bears her name. Yes. <laughs> and she babies that field. Yeah, she Linda does. does. She built that program and, and she had a, a protege in Lisa. Lisa was, you know, my protege. Folks right. remember her on the, on the radio. Yep. She Some, was an intern at the time. She was right? an intern. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, the other day we had her on. She's, uh, she's an old pro at it. And, uh, Lisa was her, uh, was Linda's protege back in the day. And, uh, she, now the only second coach in the program's history because Linda coached for all those years. She started the program in the mid 90s when you and I were going to school. Right. And, and, you know, it took her a while to get that program going. And then and then they were able to build Losey Field, which she, of course, just babies. That that's a tremendous softball field. People come from all over and they, you know, they'll say, wow, that's a nice field. And a lot of it is because the dedication Linda puts in. I remember packing up the gear and Linda would be grading the dirt yep. with a four wheeler and spending another hour to two hours just a baby in that field. You know, a lot of people wouldn't do it, but she certainly does. And I'll tell you what, the Sioux High softball wouldn't have, you know, the legacies program. It wouldn't be where it's at as far as Sioux St. Marie softball without great people like Linda. And there's several other people from Mark Sirk to uh, Kevin Pomeroy. And L- Lisa was on our program the other day, Scott, and, and on Coach's Corner. And she brought up, and I'm glad she did, that uh, beautiful uh, building they have for restrooms and concessions that, that they have right yeah. by the Losey Field. And it's uh, I just went by it the other day. It looks real nice. And Kevin was involved in that. Linda, countless others. We've had Kevin on Coach's Corner over it. So, you know, it's really looking nice up with the ball diamonds. And, you know, if we were able to have people like – it's just great to have people people like Lisa and Linda involved in softball. But right now, yeah, Blue Devil softball looks pretty good. But, uh, you know, Linda was the architect right from the day one, and they've come a long ways. Finally, Dave, uh, we talked earlier about the Rudyard baseball team. I mean, they're perennial powerhouses. They've made state semifinals over the past dozen years, uh, led by Billy Mitchell now. They expect to be very strong once again this season. You're doing one of the Blue Devil road games there Mm -hmm. in May. And the team to me to watch out for is this Rudyard softball program. I mean, starting under Pat Van Sloten and then Kurt Kukuski took over, now Steve Davis doing the managing. I mean, they made the quarterfinals the past two seasons obviously there wasn't a season and they have some just you look at their one through five hitters I mean they're going to knock the ball out of the park and they have pitching just a tremendous job done in Rudyard for that softball program they've had really good coaching you mentioned you know with Wiley there and then uh, you know Kurt was uh, through some uh, glory years they were able to get all the way to the quarterfinals run into some pretty good Roger City teams but Roger City and softball hmm. is usually one of the toughest them and Gladstone seems to be yep. always there in teams like that and Rapid River but no Rudyard with this group of girls too we saw it a few years ago with Brimley when Ray Bell had those girls basketball players playing at a high level and then they would dominate at the U finals in uh, track and field same situation here in Red Deer they have a good wave of female athletes right now and I I think that Red Deer girls softball team is going to go a long ways even though they're coached by a guy that loves Michigan. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, I, w- I won't hold that against him too much. Suhai Track and Field, they are scheduled to start their season Friday at Harbor Springs. The girls' soccer first match is scheduled for Tuesday in Petoskey. The Suhai golf team scheduled for Cedarville on April 23rd. So, Dave, we're going to have lots of action across the EUP in those sports and certainly looking forward to it, especially, as we both mentioned, for the athletes that didn't have any season last year. No, and it's nice to see. I was just looking at my lawn 
around today thinking, you know, in two or three weeks, they'll be cutting grass, yes. greening up. And, you know, I think uh, with everything else going on, I think that's the biggest thing is we're going to have hopefully an early spring. And, you know, someone was saying to me the other day, I think we're three weeks ahead of schedule. You're hearing the birds tweeting. Yes. My, my wife already put up the hummingbird feeders because uh, <laughs> she was tracking them. Yep. They were north of Claire the other day. Very so they're good. coming. So I think, you know, that's nice to see that we're going to have an early spring, especially this year. So these athletes that missed last season can get out there and have full seasons. Dave Watson joining us on the game, voice of Suhai Blue Devil Athletics, and he will have softball and baseball over on our sister station, 1230 WSOO, uh, April through May and into early June. First broadcast scheduled Saturday against Marquette pregame show, 1250 Fingers crossed the fields are good, Dave. Appreciate you coming in and uh, talking local sports and recapping what's been a very interesting and uh, exciting winter sports season. And certainly we'll get you back on here to uh, talk more about the spring sports. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, buddy. All right. We're going to take a break. We come back. We are going to talk Detroit sports with Butch Davis from Butch on Sports. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things. Like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Madigan Pingator, your independent auto owners agency on West Water Street in the Sioux. MNC Water Systems has a solution for all your water needs. Want clean, fresh drinking water? MNC Water Systems proudly distributes Norway Springs artesian water, bottled right here in the Upper Peninsula. Cooler rental and bottled water delivery for your home and office are available. MNC Water Systems is offering contactless delivery right to your door, as well as curbside pickup. Call Mo at MNC Water Systems today at 906-647-7307. Serving the Eastern UP for over 25 years. O'Connor's Chrysler Dodge, Dodge Truck and Jeep in Pickford is your full-service dealership. Servicing Pickford and the surrounding areas with pride for more than 50 years. O'Connor's top-notch body shop includes a state-of-the-art frame straightener. O'Connor's is also a proud supporter of community events. Its sales team has the experience to know which model is right for each customer. And with financing available to back your purchase, you can drive away today in your dream vehicle. Local people, local pride. Stop in today on M129 at O'Connor's. The last tractor you'll ever need is here. Get into a Massey Ferguson Compactor Utility Tractor and accomplish more than ever before. These versatile tractors are known for their unbeatable power, smart fuel economy, and upgraded creature comforts. And with their ability to multitask through any job around the yard or farm, they'll provide you with outstanding value for years to come. Do all you need to do and more with Massey Ferguson Compact and Utility Tractors. Visit Skinners of Pigford to find the right model for your operation. The last tractor you'll ever need is here. Get into a Massey Ferguson Compactor Utility Tractor and accomplish more than ever before. These versatile tractors are known for their unbeatable power, smart fuel economy, and upgraded creature comforts. And with their ability to multitask through any job around the yard or farm, they'll provide you with outstanding value for years to come. Do all you need to do and more with Massey Ferguson Compact and Utility Tractors. Visit Skinners of Pigford to find the right model for your operation. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason here on ESPN 1400. 
And welcome back to the game on ESPN 1400. Scott Mason with you. Want to thank our guest, the voice of the Suhai Blue Devils, Dave Watson, for joining us during the first part of the show. Coming up at 7 o'clock, we will have our roundtable as we are scheduled to be joined by EJ Russell, host of the Hot Seat from Escanaba, Michigan. And we know we will be joined by our next guest, co-host, and all-around good guy, good guy, rather, Butch Davis. You can find his show, Butch on Sports. On his website, Simply Butch 2, that's T-O-O.Podomatic.com, or you can find his shows on our podcast site, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. Brand new edition of Butch on Sports from last night, up on both those sites as Butch joins us each and every week to talk about what's going on in the Metro Detroit sports world, unless we are doing basketball for the last three or four weeks, because it's been a long time since we've heard from Butch Davis. Butch, glad to have you back on on our show and welcome back to the game. Glad to be back, Scott. Oh, we got so much to talk about, Butch, and to cover here. And let's start with really the big story in Detroit sports today. The Detroit Red Wings, uh, the trade deadline was this afternoon, and the Red Wings have uh, dealt uh, forward Anthony Mantha to the Washington Capitals for forwards Jakob Vrana and Richard Panic a 2021 first-round pick, and a 2022 second-round pick. Uh, Butch, uh, you've had your ear to the Detroit Red Wings situation. Uh, does this surprise you, and what do you think of the move? None of it surprised me. If anything, it enlightens me on what's going to be happening with the Detroit Red Wings' upcoming future there. And um, it was uh, was kind of a shock, but being one of the best players for Detroit for the last several years and getting something in return, in this case, a first-round draft pick, second round next year, and a couple more players. Uh, Richard Panic is one of those particular players that we're talking about, and I'm very impressed in his play, period. He will be a very, very decent uh, addition to the Detroit Red Wings, especially when it comes on the defensive side and also on the on the more or less the, uh, the, the rough side of things there. And Butch, the Red Wings now will have 12 selections in this year's draft, including a couple first rounders, three in the second, two each in the third, fourth, and fifth. And if you're rebuilding a team like Iserman has done before in Tampa and wants to do in Detroit, certainly that's a lot of draft capital that they now possess. Well, the draft capital is a bunch of uh, malarkey there because that draft capital means absolutely nothing if those players that you draft can't immediately give you dividends at the major league level. Exactly. And that has not happened yet for uh, Steve Eisenman. Uh, the upcoming, yes, I see a lot of young men uh, being able to fight for a position and uh, get um a part of the Red Wings uh, extravaganza, as I should call it. I think the thing that really bit the bullet is that I think Steve Eisman expected the Red Wings to have more than what they have. Instead of, he got a lot less. And really right now, it gives them a very good parameter of where the Red Wings need to go as far as building this team to a winning team. And they didn't have it this year. Uh, plain and simple, there were peaks and valleys of good players being on the ice. But when those players are interrupted by veterans, especially when those particular veterans get hurt, 
you really don't have no camaraderie with the other players there. They may play for a minute, might get called up for a minute, but again, you don't get a regular uh, taste of uh, what your job is, how your job is supposed to be done, and how to cover and carry for your other teammates when certain things break down. And the Red Wings did not have that at all. They got two good goaltenders. I'm very surprised that Bernier did not get picked up. Yeah. Again, that doesn't mean a doggone thing to me because the Red Wings can buy Bernier out, make him a a, a, a waiver player there, and someone picks him up right away, then they're in the good, too. So everything is really not over yet for the Red Wings. I see a lot more changes upcoming being made with the Red Wings as far as uh, them getting to a respectable level in playing uh, this National Hockey League game next year. And, Butch, one of the things that Steve Eiserman and the other players even have self-identified is just inconsistent effort. Uh, talent is one thing. To me, effort is another. You look at the loss on Thursday, 7-1 to to Nashville. Then they bounce back for a nice win at Carolina in a shootout, 5-4. to They'll be at Carolina tonight. And, you know, you just th- this team's effort and inconsistent efforts is something, to me, that is, is the biggest blemish so far this season. Well, that's not only the players' fault, but that's the coaching's fault. Yep. There. The coaches know who's inconsistent, who's not, who's up every single game versus what players are not putting in the the yeoman efforts doing their job. Uh, Red Wings have plenty to play when it comes down to doing their job, and that's every single player on that team takes responsibility for that. But again, if your coach doesn't have the influence on the player to get them to be consistent a lot more than less. And we saw a lot more less consistency with the Red Wings this year than I've seen in a very long time there. Uh, forget about the young players coming up and the new players being on. You know, they play the same amount of games that every single uh, team does there. Yep. And when it comes down to that, they have to somewhat show some improvement. They did not do that this year. Uh, I don't think Steve Eisenman, if he's going to build it, should not go after veterans. They're basically, they're not going to be with the team this year. Trade bait is one thing. Uh, those particular uh, draft picks that he's getting, they got to pan out and players coming immediately to the NHL rather than have to spend years in minor league. Butch, uh, speaking of inconsistency, let's move on to the Detroit Tigers. After a 3-3 three and three start to the season at home, the Tigers went to Cleveland to place that they haven't had a lot of recent success, and they were swept this past weekend by the Indians, including a 5-2 to loss on Sunday. Pitching, hitting, and about everything else went wrong for the Tigers, who are in Houston tonight to start a three-game set against their manager's former squad and A.J. Hinch. Uh, certainly a weekend to forget for the Detroit Tigers, Butch. Everything I thought they learned on their homestand seemed to be uh, forgotten this weekend. Yeah, it was very much so forgotten. The Tigers went 13 for 91 at the plate in this in this three-game series they had. That's a 143 batting average and got swept by Cleveland there. Uh, yesterday, the 5-2 to two loss was very significant. Uh, everybody is not manning up. Everyone's not coming in and doing the job. Everyone is not buying in. And, again, with the team of Detroit and, you know, you you can say this if you want and not. I did not see a set lineup during the spring training where these players come in and knowing 
who's going to play and who's going to back each other up there. And for this team to somewhat thrive or get in some consistency on a row and hitting and all the other good things, and then the manager making huge decisions and decent decisions, what players don't put out and what players need to be sent down, uh, and get that established immediately, uh, we're going to have a long, long year upcoming here for the Detroit Tigers, I see. The bullpen pitching is a sham, okay? By all means, I'll give a pass to the starting pitcher, per se, then starting pitching. But the bullpen pitching is a sham, okay? Uh, other than some good notes, maybe Michael Fulmer, which I don't think he's going to be in the bullpen too long. No. I think that building him up to be come back a starting pitcher, which I think he's a lot more comfortable in, and he continues to do the work that he has to do, not giving up runs, but getting people out, and he building up that arm, I'm quite sure that's going to be one of those changes that's going to be made. The rest of the bullpen, Norris, and some of the veterans, is a joke, okay? And they need to be taught a lesson. If they can't get it together, get them out of here. Butch, let's move on to the Detroit Pistons. They went 1-2 and two on their West Coast trip as they knocked off Sacramento on Thursday. They gave up 30 rebounds to one player on Saturday and falling to Portland. And then last night, a better effort, but they would fall to the Clippers 131 to 124 Pistons 16 and 38 dead last in the East as they will be home on Wednesday to host the Clippers. Uh, you know, there are a few bright spots, very few with this Detroit team, but certainly a, a team that continues the struggle, Butch. What's the, what's the bright spot? Uh, Sadiq, Sadiq Bay. That's the only thing I can find. I think he's going to be a decent player when it comes along. That's all I got, Butch. One that's bright spot. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, that's legit. I'll give you that one there. The rest of again, man, if I was bad on the Red Wings, bad on the Tigers, I'm going to be bad on the Pistons. <laughs> I missed you, Butch. Now, I missed you. There's going to have to be a lot of changes being made. Again, you're getting all these older players at the beginning of the season. They're no longer with the team. You're leaving uh, a team that basically has no rhythm in getting themselves together or playing with each other. All right, we seem to have lost Butch Davis momentarily. We'll hopefully get him back. We'll take a break and be back on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. It's 2021 and Reed Metals in Dafter, your honest, main source, one-stop metal recycling business serving Northern Michigan, hopes everyone has a prosperous year. If you need a few extra dollars to help with your heating bills or that trip you may want to take to the warm state of Hawaii, bring Reed Metals your unwanted scrap metals and they'll print you a check. Reed Metals is paying top dollar for whole scrap vehicles. They also buy heavy equipment, catalytic converters, radiators, batteries, rims, and motors. Reed Metals will give you an honest price without surprise fees or deductions at the scale. Bring in copper, brass, lead, tin, cast, aluminum, steel, and many more types of recyclable metals, and they'll print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals is your honest, one-stop metal recycling business. They also offer roll-off dumpster service. Reed Metals is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit ReedMetals.com or call 906-632-0018. Bring it in or have it hauled, and Reed Metals will print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals, 10 miles south of the Sioux on Mackinac Trail.
Paul Thompson here with Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service, just off I-75 in Rudyard, inviting you to stop in and see the largest selection of equipment in the eastern Upper Peninsula. To complement our full line of Mahinder tractors, we have trailers including goosenecks, dumps, cargos, car haulers, and utility trailers. We also have a full line of lawn and garden equipment with Cub Cadet and Exmark. Over 50 mowers to choose from, a full line of parts, and we service what we sell. Looking for an outdoor wood or pellet furnace or parts? We stock water pumps, exchangers, peck supplies, and more. Also, check out our full line of Boss and Fisher snow and ice equipment. Here at Gaylor Thompson Rudge Yard, we are open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and Saturdays, 9 to noon, for your convenience. Just off I-75 in Rudyard, 30 minutes from the bridge. If you need it, we have it. Give us a call at 906-478-3026. Hope to see you here. Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on ESPN 1400. And welcome back to the game on ESPN 1400. Scott Nason with you as we are rejoined by Butch Davis from Butch on Sports. And Butch, before we lost you momentarily, we were talking about the Detroit Pistons. And uh, I did mention the one bright spot in Sadiq Bay, but that's been pretty it. Continue your uh, thoughts on the Pistons. I really doesn't have any thoughts. It's <laughs> like the Redwings I played there. Um, there's got to be a lot of changes. Again, you bring up all these veterans to start the season, and none of them are available in the middle of the season. And then you send the young kids to, to, to hold down the ship, which is not getting done there. I think the biggest thing is, is how much influence the coaching staff have on the players, and I don't see it. I expect changes, big time to be made. They may get more younger kids there, but they got to get someone to influence the kids to do better than what they're doing. Butch, we're only a couple weeks away and change from the NFL draft, which will begin on Thursday, April 29th. That team will include the Detroit Lions, who will be picking at seven. We have plenty of time to do draft speculation over the next few weeks, but any other news on the Detroit Lions? Been pretty quiet, at least uh, that I've seen over the past few weeks. Nothing but picking up uh, a player here and there. They got Dean Marlow. Uh, this was a particular Sunday. This is a safety. Uh, he comes from Buffalo. I've seen him play before. He's a pretty aggressive player. We bring that aggressiveness to Detroit. We get coaching staff able to coach him up where he's in rhythm with the other players he's going to play with. I have no idea. But again, <laughs> <laughs> really, I have no idea, but it's again, uh, it's going to be a pitchfork kind of situation here before it comes down to training camp here for the Detroit Lions and and several other players who they keep and who they don't keep and what kind of spirit they bring to the table when it comes down to the season, which again, oh, you haven't heard 17 games this year. And it's probably a good thing, Butch, that the Lions didn't go after Deshaun Watson because that would come with a whole lot of other issues right now, wouldn't it? Well, Deshaun Watson was an issue in the South, and that started off last year when he was begging. After he took the money, if he wasn't happy with that, he should never took the money. But again, he took the money, and now he wants to be thrown out in the street because he doesn't like the team that he took the money from. And it's not going to work out that way. Not good for him. And I hate to be in the position that he's in, but he's in it. 
and we'll see how he wiggles his way out of it. Yeah. Certainly will be interesting. Butch, we're going to take our top of the hour break. When you and I come back, we'll talk more regional sports and then dive in to our roundtable. All coming up on hour two of the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Madigan Pingator, your independent auto owners agency on West Water Street in the Sioux. MNC Water Systems has a solution for all your water needs. Want clean, fresh drinking water? MNC Water Systems proudly distributes Norway Springs artesian water, bottled right here in the Upper Peninsula. Cooler rental and bottled water delivery for your home and office are available. MNC Water Systems is offering contactless delivery right to your door, as well as curbside pickup. Call Mo at MNC Water Systems today at 906-647-7307. Serving the Eastern UP for over 25 years. O'Connor's Chrysler Dodge, Dodge Truck and Jeep in Pickford is your full-service dealership. Servicing Pickford and the surrounding areas with pride for more than 50 years. O'Connor's top-notch body shop includes a state-of-the-art frame straightener. O'Connor's is also a proud supporter of community events. Its sales team has the experience to know which model is right for each customer. And with financing available to back your purchase, you can drive away today in your dream vehicle. Local people, local pride. Stop in today on M129 at O'Connor's. The last tractor you'll ever need is here. Get into a Massey Ferguson Compactor Utility Tractor and accomplish more than ever before. These versatile tractors are known for their unbeatable power, smart fuel economy, and upgraded creature comforts. And with their ability to multitask through any job around the yard or farm, they'll provide you with outstanding value for years to come. Do all you need to do and more with Massey Ferguson Compact and Utility Tractors. Visit Skinners of Pigford to find the right model for your operation. Let's get to the second half of the game here on ESPN 1400, WKNW, Sioux St. Marie's sports leader. It's the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Now, here's Scott Nason. And welcome back to the game on ESPN of 1400. Scott Nason with you as we are continued to be joined by Butch Davis from Butch on Sports for our round table coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. We'll be joined by EJ Russell, host of the hot seat in Escanaba, Michigan. Butch, uh, we talked earlier locally and about some of the teams in the Michigan High School Basketball Association finals for the boys and the girls. Uh, did you happen to catch any of those games and uh, what were some of the teams and things that you saw? I watched the Douglas game there. Unfortunately, uh, they were not the hit, okay? Yeah. But, uh, again, I, I kind of took uh, homage to the more or less the semifinals there because those were the teams that you you thought, you know, would give some up to the, this particular one. Uh, it, it really wasn't all that expensive. Exciting because again you had games just crammed in the one and a lot of of the players that you did want to see you did not get to see because of covert and what was going on with that. Um, I 
take it after the wash has been settled here and everybody's been put in the dryer, that uh, this hasn't brought a lot or much of uh, panic as far as uh, COVID is concerned. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. From my investigation here right now, there were a lot of teams that were not settled because of that there. Yeah. Uh, but, again, when you have a reserve team that you can bring players up who were clear. Uh, that kind of filled up the rosters a lot and, you know, gives them human um, thankfulness for that particular plan because you got to see some kids that you rarely got to see. But, again, all in all there, you know, you're glad that the season is over. Uh, hopefully um, the MHSAA sit down and really bring trust the situation at hand right now that everyone is not safe and regardless of what some of the parents will want to say about their kids and taking part in this, it has to be done on a safety occur. I will say again that there's no reason that these kids are not getting tested more than what they're getting there. And that that's the problem I have with this whole situation. Other than that, congratulations to the participants in it. Uh, they got over the season and uh, hopefully it was well spent for them. Yeah, two down, one to go. Let's hope the spring sports season goes uh, without too many issues. Uh, Butch, before we go to our roundtable with EJ, I know we got to talk about WrestleMania. WrestleMania 37 happened this weekend, a two-night event at capacity-filled Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. Uh, certainly lots of uh, fun uh, events. Uh, some of the presenters got booed, especially one Hulk Hogan <laughs> when he tried to host last night. Uh, certainly a lot of good matches. What were some of your highlights from WrestleMania? I thought those were cheers. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't think Hogan's getting many cheers these days. Uh, no, he wasn't, no. Very much so. The Saturday night was the best one. I agree. That's just me, I, in my opinion, I'm watching both nights there. Although Sunday was not bad at all, it was some of the matches that were taken there. But Saturday to me was the best night. Um, my eye got popped to the no, not one of Bad Bunny. That young man, I don't know, he put in the work. He did great. And for a celebrity to come on like he did and put off some of the doggone stunts. <laughs> For entertainment purposes, you know, to make the kind of the, the wrestling uh, match realistic, he did a yeoman's job there. You, I got to take my hat off to the young man there. He went out there and took the risks and basically made the match somewhat legit. Uh, the Bianca Belair match was a very good match indeed, and, and I kind of enjoyed the 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 ladies of uh, fourth. Four foot four match or whatever, whatever it was called there. I enjoyed that, including uh, the first match of uh, Lashley and, uh, and and my man there. Uh, he, Drew McIntyre. Yeah, yeah. He they put on a doggone good match. They were rough and tumble, and they were taking some risks that they normally don't take in the regular. Uh, Matches there. I kind of want to see how Smack uh, Raw come out tonight here when it comes down to these matches and how they're going to present themselves and rewrite the script because you know this is the time of the year now that WWE flips the script on many wrestlers being changed around for the best interest of uh, the 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 name or best for business as they normally say there. But this was a very nice uh, WrestleMania. Uh, 
I know they said beforehand about the crowd that it was going to be X percentage, but again, <laughs> you mentioned it. That place was packed. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then some. So, you know, hit them array. They did a good job on this one there. Yeah, I think so as well, Butch. I like the fact that they do it over two nights. I mean, you've seen past WrestleManias that by the time you get to the last couple matches, you're, you're just spent after seeing so much. I agree 100% with you. I think Saturday night's matches were better than last night's. Uh, looking at last night's match, matches, I was really disappointed with, with The Fiend and Randy Orton. I thought something better would come out of it, and I just, I, I, just, I was left expecting a lot more than what happened. Randy Orton gets the win as uh, Alexa Bliss uh, she had something going on with some uh, blood coming out of her or what have you and but I really thought they did a good job with the uh, Roman Reigns Edge and Daniel Bryant match I really thought that Reigns being a heel is something that I've wanted him to be for a long time and he plays the part well I thought that was a very good main event it was pretty doggone good of course, his cousin got in the middle of the fix yeah. there. And Andre the Giant winner there, uh, Mr. Uso, he got to the play when you knew he would in, in variations of the match. And it was a deciding picture of that particular win for Roman Reigns there. Um, again, you get away with murder when it comes down to law and justice in the WWE. Yes, indeed. And, and one other thing I liked last night, Butch, was Apollo Crews. This is somebody that we haven't seen a lot of, and he got a big push uh, winning the Intercontinental title over Big E. I, I thought that's a guy, he puts in a lot of work, uh, You know, seems like a decent guy, and it was good to see a, a guy like Apollo Crews uh, take that next step. Have, uh, you know, and, and the title changes, uh, Sheamus, another yeah. one who yep. basically put out the effort every single week, every single week, and really doesn't get any fanfare when it comes down to championship matches there. Again, another one deserving of having uh, a crown on her. The real Ripley Oscar fight didn't dig it at all. No. You know, I expected Oscar to win, and I think that's going to be somewhat a rematch maybe in SummerSlam or something. Well, Oscar gets that back if they keep Oscar there. Again, contractual decisions come up soon, and I think Oscar do if she's going to stay here or go back to Japan. That will be the, the issue there. And another, another issue is that WWE got to get their stuff together because of the, the AEW with um, them joining up with Impact Wrestling there and some other conglomerates there has been doing yeoman's job when it comes down to exposing wrestling to the general public. Uh, thus, you got um, the NXT uh, yeah. being switched around to Tuesdays now there. I, they did the, the film on that because on Monday nights, uh, you got the WWE. On Tuesday, it's completely impact on access and whatnot all night long. We're talking about in the early afternoon hours of 2 o'clock all the way up to maybe 3 o'clock in the morning, you got wrestling on that particular station there. So they're doing the job of exposing wrestlers, some of them are old from the WWE, and some of them are not. They're new from uh, various uh, ensembles, Hollywood wrestling, the list goes on and on. Uh, WWE knows they got to start pushing it. Final question for you, Butch, before we go to break. If you had to pick one match from the weekend as the best match, what would it be? Mine would be Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks. I thought those girls just gave it great main event for Saturday night. They busted their behinds there, and I will 
thoroughly agree. That was the best match of all the WrestleMania there. Again, a close, close second in a, in a nudge of an A minus would have to be the Bad Bunny and the Miz match there. That was an outstanding match there. You did not expect Bad Bunny to be involved with this match as much as he was, but when he was involved, he made some legit wrestling moves and made the job authentic. I think he did an outstanding job. I agree 100%. Butch, we're going to go to break. When Butch and I come back, we'll be joined by EJ Russell, host of The Hot Seat, for our roundtable. All coming up on the Twin Sues only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. It's 2021 and Reed Metals in Daffer, your honest, main source, one-stop metal recycling business serving Northern Michigan, hopes everyone has a prosperous year. If you need a few extra dollars to help with your heating bills or that trip you may want to take to the warm state of Hawaii, bring Reed Metals your unwanted scrap metals and they'll print you a check. Reed Metals is paying top dollar for whole scrap vehicles. They also buy heavy equipment, catalytic converters, radiators, batteries, rims, and motors. Reed Metals will give you an honest price without surprise fees or deductions at the scale. Bring in copper, brass, lead, tin, cast, aluminum, steel, and many more types of recyclable metals, and they'll print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals is your honest, one-stop metal recycling business. They also offer roll-off dumpster service. Reed Metals is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit ReedMetals.com or call 906-632-0018. Bring it in or have it hauled, and Reed Metals will print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals, 10 miles south of the Sioux on Mackinac Trail. Paul Thompson here with Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service, just off I-75 and Rudyard, inviting you to stop in and see the largest selection of equipment in the eastern Upper Peninsula. To complement our full line of Mahindra tractors, we have trailers including goosenecks, dumps, cargos, car haulers, and utility trailers. We also have a full line of lawn and garden equipment with Cub Cadet and Exmark. Over 50 mowers to choose from, a full line of parts, and we service what we sell. Looking for an outdoor wood or pellet furnace or parts? We stock water pumps, exchangers, peck supplies, and more. Also, Check out our full line of Boss and Fisher Snow and Ice Equipment. Here at Gaylor Thompson and Rudyard, we are open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and Saturdays, 9 to noon, for your convenience. Just off I-75 in Rudyard, 30 minutes from the bridge. If you need it, we have it. Give us a call at 906-478-3026. Hope to see you here. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason here on ESPN 1400. And welcome back to the game on ESPN of 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by Butch Davis from Butch on Sports and joining us. On the roundtable, co-host of this show and host of his own show, The Hot Seat, which you can find on the website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com, all the way from the tropical paradise in the Upper Peninsula known as Escanaba, Michigan. EJ Russell joining us on the game. EJ, how you doing on this Monday night? It's certainly been too long. Great to have you back on the show, sir. Yo, 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 extra yo's. It's been way too long, but happy to be here. Um, good to talk to you, Scott Butch. I know you're there too. Happy to be here, but that we've had a couple weeks off. There's been some interesting things going on in the world of sports. So I, you know, I got a couple things I know I want to get into, but I'm happy to be here. It's always great talking with you both. Great to have you on EJ and Butch and uh, EJ, we'll start with you for the first topic on the round table. Butch will give you first crack at EJ's topic. So EJ Russell, it's been a while. What's on your mind tonight in the world of sports, sir? 
Well, and before I choose to fully get into this topic, I, I want to be clear to our listeners here. This this might be a topic that might be a little sensitive. I think we're still good here. We've talked about this kind of stuff in the past, but it, things could get a little dicey. So strap in and hang on. And the topic I want to talk about tonight is Sean Watson, what's going on with him in Houston. Um, I have my opinions as to what this whole situation looks like, but Butch Scott, dissect a little bit of this from me. What are your guys' thoughts? I know I have a strong opinion on this. I'm curious as to what you guys think. And I'll say I think this is dicey because my feeling is this this is a blatant smear campaign against Deshaun Watson. All right, Butch, your uh, your response first. Damn. <laughs> Oh boy, I agree with you wholeheartedly to a percentage. But you got to blame a lot, much of this on Deshaun Watson and how he put it to play. What he put into play is he took money from an organization for a very long time. And all of a sudden, when things were not going his way for whatever reason, this particular season, he wanted to take the A train out of town by sundown, and that just don't work in Texas and in many places in the United States when it came down to the loyalty of the team. You was low enough to take the money. Now you're low enough to sit up there and say, I want to get out of town and still take the money. Now, don't tell me that some people are very disturbed of this. And what can conjure up a lot of things that may or may not be true. I'm not going to say because all these are speculations that we're getting from the news media and then some. I cannot say this is right or wrong. As far as what he did, if he did it, he is wrong. If he's being accused of something and falsely being accused, though, he's not being too active at the courts right now. This thing grows every day. So the question is, if this guy was so much of this, and Houston had to have a, uh, and I'm talking about the Houston Oilers, not the Oilers, but the Houston Texans had to have so whiff of this, they was doing this before, why would you spend all this money for this guy here, knowing that if he's unstable, which he showed this, this turn by saying he wanted to get out of town, he'd not expect some downfall on this. And, again, I kind of agree with EJ that this is a lot of this is being planted on him because of some moves that he wants to make or, for instance, saying that the Houston Oilers are not the team that he feels he want to be on because of whatever reason he may have. Um, this is a conspiracy and then some. And I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I'll uh, chime in a bit here, gentlemen. Uh, For those that don't know, and I think most of our listeners do, uh, right now Deshaun Watson has 22, at least at last count, lawsuits filed. What's that? Civil suits. They're civil suits, yes. Uh, Alleging that Watson uh, had inappropriate uh, conduct and sexual assault. And my my whole thing with this is just the timing of it. And and Butch, you alluded to it as well. Just just the timing of this seems odd where nothing has happened. And all of a sudden, you got 22 different um, suits being filed against one individual. Uh, I've learned uh, if it's a he he said, she said sort of thing. You know, it's between those people. And so I'm not going to pass judgment that he did it. 
or he didn't do it. I don't know. Hopefully, the if it did happen, the the evidence comes out. Or if it didn't happen, hopefully he is exonerated. You know, it all depends. But just just the timing of it is odd. And Butch, you hit a lot of good points there that uh, I was looking at doing. So I just I don't know. I mean, did he do it? Did he not do it? Could it be a conspiracy? Maybe. But there's only the people involved that truly know, and it's probably going to take a while to sort out. EJ, great topic. Your thoughts. So there's a great article that was written. You can catch it on ESPN's website. It was written. It's posted at 2.52 p.m. by the ESPN staff, and it gives kind of the, the both sides of what's going on here. And I think what bothers me most, and I think you guys hit on the head, is the timing. But for me, none of this came out until after he demanded the trade. Right. Like, it, oh, how, how coincidental that 22 women file suits, and of the 22, it's like 15 to 18 of them are from the Houston area. There's two in one in Arizona, one in California, and I think there's two in another state. Um, you know, and, and their allegations are um, pretty pretty harsh. Okay, and the accusations made by um, and I choose not to say her name, the first female to come out publicly and speak against him. Um, there, there's pretty strong accusations being made. Here's the issue that I, that I have with this. I, I think at the end of the day, the number one thing that's clear is that Deshaun Washington probably made some poor decisions. Okay. Um, I, I do believe, in my opinion, this is a guy that we didn't hear much about his entire career in college and in the pro until now. Yeah, Like, no one's ever accused him of any sort of misconduct in his entire career. He doesn't seem to be that type of guy. He seems like the kind of kid that seems to make good decisions. I mean, he made great decisions all the years he's in Clemson. He's made great decisions every year that he's been a professional uh, as a Houston Texan until allegedly now. The, the part that, that makes me really believe that this is a smear campaign, and this is the part of the article I chose to focus on, is that out of all of these different masseuses and massage therapists that he's gone to, which was three to four times a week, okay, which is not uncommon for an athlete of that caliber to seek that level of, of, of treatment. Okay. Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in the national football league right now, so he spends over a million dollars a year on his body. Also LeBron James of the NBA does the same. So these guys are investing in themselves. And the part of the article that I found super um, relevant to my argument here is that there are so many other massage therapists that are like, um, Mr. Watson is incapable of coercing anyone into any kind of sexual activity. Anything that he's ever done with us has been, you know, nothing but professional. Okay. So if these people are coming out and saying that he's been nothing but professional, all of a sudden these accusations, you know, he wants to leave town. And now all of a sudden, uh, I want to, I wish I could read the one line in here, but I don't want to get a little too, too vulgar. Uh, the alleged touchings and things that he may have done. It's like, Okay, if these many people have said this about his character and have been giving him hundreds and hundreds of massages, you know, why coincidentally do these 22 women, mostly from the Houston area, all of a sudden think that this is, you know, the devil reincarnate? I just don't believe that this is the character of this man. However, I will say, Butch, and I agree with you, if the man is guilty, I mean, by all means, he deserves to be punished. But the the situational... Um, pieces here and the way that the timetables line up this is a blatant smear campaign against a guy who just wants to do well Butch I will agree with you he signed the contract he should honor the contract I also do have some issues there like 
you know, he signed that contract and then all of a sudden they move on from JJ Watt. It's like, well, wait a minute. If you told him that these pieces were going to be in place and then you moved DeAndre Hopkins and you moved JJ Watt, now you're leaving the guy with nothing. It feels like being stabbed in the back. I do believe he should honor his contract, but I don't, I also believe that the team should hold up their end of the agreement. And I feel that Deshaun Watson may not think that they're doing so. And so his desire to leave, I believe is fair. I believe these accusations um, to just be ill-willed. I hope that they are all false. Um, and I do appreciate the judges coming out and demanding that, you know, if you guys want to continue with this, the women need to come out and come forward. You know, the other thing I think that's important here is that these are all civil suits. If this is criminal activity, they should be charged criminally. If it, Why is he not being charged criminally? That tells me that there's not enough evidence that he actually did commit any kind of um, incorrect or illegal behaviors. And I think that that goes a long way for me. Also, the wording of, you know, uh, the attorney, I believe it's Bozo or something. Bozo, for all I care. <laughs> uh, they're all, all attorneys are Bozos. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's just a joke, guys. Listen, but um, it was too easy to not crack that joke. I agree. Here. But, but the letter that they sent to Deshaun Watson's attorney said that their client is demanding $100,000. Like, oh, wait a minute. I thought we were keeping things civil. You don't demand anything. The definition of civil is not making demands. It's having a conversation and figuring it out. Okay. Uh, in my book. And I just, I wholeheartedly believe that Deshaun Watson, and I'm not a huge fan of his. Okay. He beat my Ohio state Buckeyes in a couple of different big games. Okay. I'm not a Clemson supporter, but I firmly believe that, that what's happening is a blatant smear campaign against Deshaun Watson to try to keep him grounded, take away his resources so that they have to sit there and honor his contract in Houston. I think it's just blatantly disgusting. Again, I'm assuming and hoping that all these allegations are false, but I believe it's just blatant smear against Deshaun Watson. Butch, I'll give you final word. you got to look at it this way as well here, okay? You know, those players who left Houston fed off Deshaun Watson first saying that he no longer want to be part of the team. We talk about J.J. Watson and other players as well there. Yep. I think the, the gem on the back is when the receiver uh, at the beginning of the season or beginning of last season uh, departed to uh, to greener pastures in, in Arizona. And you Hopkins. know what I'm talking about there. I think that kind of started the ball rolling for Deshaun Watson. He did work through the particular season not as faithful as he would have been if that other receiver that uh, got traded to Arizona would have Do been there. I that think that's part of the equation that they didn't make up and get something for that there that would suit Deshaun Watson. Uh, the other thing is, is in my book here, you know, there's a lot of masseuses out there, okay? If there's a masseuse of athletic prowess and whatnot to give, keep your body in shape or do things of, of, of notoriety and for an athlete to keep in shape and stay healthy, or are these other masseuses there where they say he didn't give enough money or something or can use this particular team? Can I add it, just to add a statistic here of, and this is something that I think could have also been a better decision by Mr. Deshaun Watson. Right. 22 accused women, I believe only 12 to 14 of them were actual licensed massage therapists. The others were working on their, their certification. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. They got certified too. So this is a hard well, thing for Deshaun Watson the civil and you're right, EJ, if they're all that in, in a bag of chips, 
then these would have been uh, felonious suits there where they would have went to the police, and um, Deshaun Watson would have been charged, or a grand jury would have brought it to to attention. Twenty-two people. Uh, come on, that's a lot of people there that you're sitting up there looking for money and not going to the police and saying, hey, look, you know, this is not so. And we don't hear about it way before this time. Who's covering up what? Gentlemen, we're going to go to our next break. Uh, I'll give final word. Uh, anytime it's a he said, she said, uh, in 2021, I'm staying neutral. We're going to take a break. We come back. Butch Davis. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Hashtag me too. We're going to take a break. We come back. Butch Davis is going to throw in a topic on the round table, all coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Madigan Pingator, your independent auto owners agency on West Water Street in the Sioux. MNC Water Systems has a solution for all your water needs. Want clean, fresh drinking water? MNC Water Systems proudly distributes Norway Springs artesian water, bottled right here in the Upper Peninsula. Cooler rental and bottled water delivery for your home and office are available. MNC Water Systems is offering contactless delivery right to your door, as well as curbside pickup. Call Mo at MNC Water Systems today at 906-647-7307. Serving the Eastern UP for over 25 years. O'Connor's Chrysler Dodge, Dodge Truck and Jeep in Pickford is your full-service dealership. Servicing Pickford and the surrounding areas with pride for more than 50 years. O'Connor's top-notch body shop includes a state-of-the-art frame straightener. O'Connor's is also a proud supporter of community events. Its sales team has the experience to know which model is right for each customer. And with financing available to back your purchase, you can drive away today in your dream vehicle. Local people, local pride. Stop in today on M129 at O'Connor's. Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on ESPN 1400. 727 on the game, ESPN of 1400. Scott Nason with you as we are continuing to be joined by Butch Davis and EJ Russell for the round table. If you want to hear the podcast of tonight's two-hour show, you can find it right around 830 on the website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. As we continue our round table, we will turn it over to Butch Davis for his first topic tonight. Butch, what's on your mind in the world of sports? Mm. I don't know. Oh, boy, this is a mighty tough one here. <clears throat> oh, we'll get to the the bounce of it here and make it right. Um, uh, the Major League Instant Replay Rule, do you think it needs to be reviewed? It was a lot of hanky-panky calls. A lot of pitches being misfortunately not strikes. And I watched this the first week of the season, and it did not look stable at all as far as the umpiring concern with uh, Major League Baseball. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, there was certainly a a game yesterday that I think I believe a former Detroit pitcher, uh, Mr. Smiley, might agree with you on that one, Mm -hmm. Butch. Uh, As an umpire, 
And uh, I will say that I am all for human error. Um, that's part of the game. It's been part of the game for a long time. I'm not a big fan of replays in certain situations, uh, certainly balls and strikes. I mean, you're going to delay the game even more. Um, I get when they do replays, maybe for a home run that might've been foul, but even that is hard to tell on the monitor. Uh, certainly uh, first base and other tag plays or force outs are something I'm okay with, but I'm all for the human error in major league baseball. Baseball. It's something traditionally that Major League Baseball has had, and we've seen some bad instances of that. Uh, go back to, uh, I believe, the 1987 World Series with uh, the Cardinals and the Royals, the infamous miss at first, Don Denkinger. Of course, you have the uh, the perfect game almost thrown by uh, a Tigers pitcher a few years ago where the umpire blew Galarraga. the call. Yeah, Galarraga. That's it. I was trying to think of his name. And, you know, to me, against my Indians. That was against your Indians who cleaned up on the Tigers this weekend as much as I were talking about earlier, but I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of less replay unless the, the items that I mentioned, uh, when it gets to balls and strikes, I think that's a whole different animal. You know, it's, it's, it's a human game and I think human error should be part of it, which we've seen even with replay. So EJ, I'll go to you first. I know you wanted to touch on one more thing on Deshaun Watson and then get to Butch's question. Yeah. And just to be clear in, in regards to Deshaun Watson, thing, I know I, I'm taking a very pro Deshaun Watson stance here, but let me be very clear. If the man is guilty of these crimes, I hope that uh, they pursue all avenues to the full extent of the law. If the man's guilty, then please protect these people. Uh, I, I don't care whether they're men, women, or children. It doesn't matter. That you protect victims. Okay. So I just want to be clear on that. Yes, I'm pro Deshaun Watson, but if it comes out that I'm wrong, I'm happy to be wrong. Please pursue that avenue. Um, but in regards to replay, I, I think that the one thing that replay has shown us is how good umpires can be. And I've said that on this show before. I believe that, you know, like the strike zone box, I, I think is awesome because it shows you how consistent an umpire can be. And, and one guy I'd love to just talk about replay and the fact that it actually um, is a good thing. And I'm going to say that in a weird way. Um, if there's anything replay has shown me, it's that Angel Hernandez has to be hands down the worst umpire I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. I think that's unanimous. Like here's here's the thing that I think replay should do for us. The guy needs to lose his job. Yes. Okay. Like in in the first spring training clip that I saw this year, he calls a ball the a strike of a pitch that was like a foot off the plate, low and away, and he calls it a strike. And I'll never forget the commenter going, "Angel Hernandez is in midseason form today." <laughs> as he calls a strike. And then the other day they showed this clip, you know, with the strike box, and he's behind the plate, which I don't know why he's ever back there. Um, he's calling strikes for balls that are, you know, three, four balls to the outside, and then when they're right on the strikes, he's calling them strikes, three, four balls to the outside, and then when it's like right on the line, he's he's calling them balls. It's like how can you call a pitch a foot to the left a strike and a, a pitch that's almost right down the middle a ball? Like he's terrible. Like, and I'm I'm a very anti Angel Hernandez guy, and I'm. It's just, he's terrible. But for the most part, Major League Baseball gets replay right. I don't know how they missed that play in that game last night. Um, it's, it's tough when you, when you have to use phrases like indisputable video evidence. But to me, that's about as indisputable as the guy. Like sometimes it's, it, we're going to get it wrong. Okay. It, it's not a perfect game. Scott, I do appreciate the human element and the human error. 
I get that, especially in regards to balls and strikes. Please don't use replay for balls and strikes ever unless Angel Hernandez is up there. <laughs> but for anybody else, um, you know, replay's got no place where we never intended it to go. But if we're going to use it as a tool on a scoring play like that that decides the game, you got to get that right. And and if we're going to use it in that situation, uh, you know, what was, didn't they have a camera during the All-Star game that they had in the dirt that you could see, the you know, right above home plate? Like, put that one in. That, that might have shown clearly that his foot was never on the ground. If you're going to have these tools, use them to the full extent that you can, but do so quickly. Do not slow down the game any more than we already have. Good answer, EJ. Uh, Butch, great topic. Your thoughts? Well, there's a lot of things that have some merit to it. Both of you guys got some pretty good merit uh, arguments in there and the fact I well, but do me one favor. Well there, we, we never agree. Can you at least, can you at least agree with me that Angel there, Hernandez is bad? <laughs> I want uh, you to agree with me one time on the show that Angel Hernandez is bad. Really? And the okay. part I agree with is, where's the, um, where's the punishment when these umpires get it very much so wrong? Exactly. Here? What is Major League Baseball doing to these umpires who get it blatantly wrong? Now, with the instant replay, we all know that the umpires don't make the decision. They put some headphones on and listen to sweet music or something, or your your neighborhood jazz station or whatever. There, the decisions are made out of Secaucus, New uh, New Jersey. There, that's where Major League Baseball has these guys in there. I don't know; if they got a fifth of liquor in there, or what? But again, they bring these erroneous calls there that didn't make any sense at all, and we're looking at just based on. The cameras that the network uh, supplies there. We're not looking at the cameras that also Major League Baseball supplies, which is separate from from the fact of views that they should be able to get. When we we can't get them, but again, network television does a pretty good doggone job of kind of ciphering things out there, and I just don't understand what's going on. But my thing is, is that we got to start. Using letting these umpires know when you're not doing uh, some incredible jobs of doing your job and being consistent. Yes, you're going to make some mistakes and errors, and those are going to come out the line. But when these mistakes are very much so blatant and they continue, like one particular umpire was named in this conversation, <laughs> and I don't want to name them no more. Uh, it, it's something that has to be done. Uh, some kind of punishment or a fine or or both, you know, should be labeled on them where, you know, again, they take more details to the job indeed. And, and I know, Butch, uh, from umpiring high school softball that we give managers before a game uh, a card, uh, which rates us, basically, and those get right. sent in to the MHSAA, and, you know, those that get high ratings have more uh, ability to you know, officiate uh, regionals and quarterfinals and such. Uh, I don't know if Major League Baseball does it publicly. Major League Baseball has that ability. Every uh, series, the managers have to put in a report to Major League Baseball. Okay. Uh, the only of the umpires there. They And it should be honest and decent, okay? You know, and consistent between both the, the managers on, on those, those gradings, which are separately there. And my question again, is Major League Baseball and their officials paying any attention to it? Exactly. EJ, final but, thought. Do they, but you'll know the answers better than I will. Am I correct in assuming they have the same crew for an entire series, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. So that they do sense. have yeah. now. 
they have fallout umpires uh, basically that comes with the team, not dressed. But again, if uh, something happens with a particular umpire injury or something uh, catastrophic go on, that particular umpire is in town where they may not be able to complete that initial game, but they can complete the rest of the series. They're, they're the emergency umpires. Like who was that? Uh, who was that guy that came out for the Blackhawks and won that game? There, who? Uh, oh, Scott, you remember what I'm talking about? The emergency goalie. Oh yeah, yeah, I can't, yeah. yeah I can't remember yeah. his name, but exactly. Yeah, we Something should. Scott, somebody exactly. Else? I think so. No relation. Uh, gentlemen, let's get to a final question here before we go to our final break. I will throw it out. EJ will go to you first, and let's talk about the Masters. Uh, you know, last fall when they had the Masters, it was at a different time. It was a little heavier, COVID involved, and I didn't get into it. I got into this year's Masters. It was at the traditional time. You had some fans on the course, and Hideki. Matsuyama made history on Sunday as the first male golfer from Japan to win a major championship. Uh, he closed with a one over 73, uh, winning by one shot. That was close at the end. However, Xander Schauffele's late charge ended with a triple bogey on the par three 16th. And so the question I have first to EJ and then Butch is the Masters. Did you watch it? And did you like that uh, Mr. Matsuyama made history as the first uh, male golfer from Japan to win a major championship? No issue with anyone winning any championship in sports. So, well, son, uh, congratulations to Gadeki Matsuyama. Um, I, I think that the moment of the tournament has to be the caddy putting the pin back in the hole, taking his hat cap off, and bowing. Yes, to the crowd. That's actually, and I'll spoil some people's things. That's my thumbs up for the week in sports. That was such a simple moment that to so many people in a world that is very anti-Asian right now. Um, that, that was, I, I was happy to see fans and people and friends of the sport react the way that they did to what appeared to be a super respectful. And, and if you didn't watch, it, it was literally a second that moment took, but it spoke volumes to a lot of people. And, and, and really to me, that moment itself, like is the epitome of what the masters is, which is a tradition, respect, you know, a love for the game and that one moment, a guy that no one's ever heard of before made quite the impression, not just for the guy that he's carrying the clubs for. Uh, he showed uh, that that's like the pride of an entire nation almost uh, on his back there. Just is one simple one second traditional Japanese moment on a traditional all time great golf course in a traditional all time great tournament. It, it was just, the perfect moment. The golf this week was incredible. The big dumb animal Bryson DeChambeau had himself a pretty decent tournament. I thought it was odd to see, you know, guys that have won this tournament, like last year's winners, get cut cut uh, before we even got to moving day. Um, it, it was an awesome tournament. Adam Sandler got involved, making fun of Will Del Torres. That was awesome. Um, the guy, the guy's last name sounds like the kind of drug that you see advertised on TV with two people sitting in the bathtub. By the way. But, uh, <laughs> It was a great Masters tournament. You saw Justin Rose up there all week. You saw guys playing well. Uh, and then for a guy like Hideki Matsuyama, who is not an unknown golfer, he's been very good on the PGA Tour for a long time. He's his first Masters at such a young age. And then again, that caddy coming with that great moment. I think this is one of my, you know, probably top 10 favorite, favorite Masters moments 
of all time. Yeah, Matsuyama, 40 to 1 odds to win it back on Thursday. I took Jordan Spieth at 3 to 1 odds. Not good indeed. Uh, Butch Davis, your thoughts on the Masters? Anybody who gambled on that man, they're a rich man. Yes, they are. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, I'm dancing in the street, I know. Um, I watched it, you know, and I'll just say this the Masters have grown from a sport that for the Oki Beloys to for everybody to watch concern there. And I say that because we remember a time when Tiger Woods first got in it, we were all were listening to people make fun of him uh, because, and golfers saying, well, what do we do? Do we have fried chicken and greens here? Knowing good and well and cornbread, with knowing good and well, all three of us, would be in the line a second time to receive these kind of vittles here. Darn right we would. With all that saying there, it's come a long way from acceptance and whatnot. And it, it really it, it really astounds me to watching Lee Elder come out yes. there, which should have happened a very long time ago there. I don't know why that that moment has not has waited so long where the guy has an oxygen tube in his nose in order to get him out there to play golf. But again, doing it shows me that uh, golf is coming a long, long way, especially the Masters that was most malign type of tournament that they had because of the traditions and that are set up there right now. And Georgia is not a very well uh, <laughs> light city right now no. with some of the things that have been going on here lately here. But again... Uh, they kind of sweeten the pot up where basically the Masters is for everyone. And it was good to see um, my man win and, and, and get over. It was good to see the competitiveness in the game here. Because Justin Rose, for two rounds there, he was doing a job on everybody. And all of a sudden on Saturday, it, you know, the crap hit the fan. And everyone was practically in it. So I kind of enjoyed that particular portion of the, the Masters as well. But again, I think my biggest take out of it that the acceptance of the of the um the masters being acceptance to everybody who comes in there in the arena to participate or else to come and watch the game of golf. And Butch, that's what I was gonna lead with with Lee Elder. I mean, finally uh getting recognition. He was the first black awesome. man to appear at the Masters after I was born in 1975, think about that. That is far too long, and it was nice that the Masters recognized him along with uh, Gary Player and Jack Nicholas. And an appropriate yeah, I got pictures of this guy when they used to the old senior matches that they used to do in Detroit, then in Dearborn there, uh, taking pictures with this guy. That he was the one to tell me that in many uh, public school systems, the 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 golf got. Fistful of money doesn't make no difference what uh, race or creed you were. A fistful of money where these schools can sign up and golf, a professional golf association would give them money to start uh, a team in the in that high school. And many, uh, when I wrote that report, I say around about 15 years ago, many high school have gotten into that particular program, feeded by the uh, professional golf tour. And, and really has collected by golf instructions. They sending out, uh, clubs and buying shoes, uniforms, the whole nine yards. So golf has grown a great, great deal. Not only in the sectors of, uh, the, I say the Oki 
Beloys there, but <laughs> in in the urban <laughs> section of the United States as well. So he's the one first got me hip to that there, and I'll never forgive him for that or forget him for that particular uh Need information there. I love the Oki Poloi reference, Butch. That's fantastic. And one other note on the Masters. I think it's just great that Matsuyama won this. Uh, you know, yes, he was an underdog, but this is a country in Japan who takes golf very, very seriously. Very uh, they they have the second most golf courses in the world, second only to the United States. And if you uh, know anything about geography, Japan isn't very big. So think about how much they cram those and golf it's a courses country. and it's a beautiful country. Ooh. And now you're going to have uh, little Japanese boys and girls in Japan now having someone to look up to much like tiger woods and many people in this country. So I think it was a great story. And certainly uh, Mr. Matsuyama is going to get lots and lots of money out of this and notoriety, but most importantly to me, he made history for the country Japan, and I think that's a very good thing. We're going to take our final break here on the game. When we come back, we'll have one more topic, and then we'll have our thumbs up and thumbs down for the week, all coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. The last tractor you'll ever need is here. Get into a Massey Ferguson compact or utility tractor and accomplish more than ever before. These versatile tractors are known for their unbeatable power, smart fuel economy, and upgraded creature comforts. And with their ability to multitask through any job around the yard or farm, they'll provide you with outstanding value for years to come. Do all you need to do and more with Massey Ferguson compact and utility tractors. Visit Skinners of Pigford to find the right model for your operation. It's 2021 and Green Metals in Dafter, your honest main source one-stop metal recycling business serving Northern Michigan, hopes everyone has a prosperous year. If you need a few extra dollars to help with your heating bills or that trip you may want to take to the warm state of Hawaii, bring Reed Metals your unwanted scrap metals and they'll print you a check. Reed Metals is paying top dollar for whole scrap vehicles. They also buy heavy equipment, catalytic converters, radiators, batteries, rims, and motors. Reed Metals will give you an honest price without surprise fees or deductions at the scale. Bring in copper, brass, lead, tin, cast, aluminum, steel, and many more types of recyclable metals, and they'll print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals is your honest, one-stop metal recycling business. They also offer roll-off dumpster service. Reed Metals is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit ReedMetals.com or call 906-632-0018. Bring it in or have it hauled, and Reed Metals will print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals, 10 miles south of the Sioux on Mackinac Trail. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it. Paul Scott Nason here, here on Thompson ESPN 1400. And welcome back to the game on ESPN 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by Butch Davis and EJ Russell for tonight's roundtable. Gentlemen, we have time for one more topic. EJ, the floor is yours. What is on your mind tonight in the world of sports? Butch will give you first crack at EJ's topic. Final topic that I have tonight is some pretty recent news. I believe it's happened today. And that is a one Mr. Julian Edelman has decided to retire from the NFL. I want to bring him up because he's an alumni of Kent State University, located in Kent, Ohio, not very far from where I grew up. But also um, just an incredible talent and story for being such a little guy. My question to the round table, uh, Julian Edelman has had about a 12-year career three-time Super Bowl champ. Is he a Hall of Famer? Has he put together uh, the, the right moments 
to earn the gold jacket. I have my opinion. What say you? Butch, the floor is yours. Well, you asked me. <laughs> I would say for the length of time he has worked and been a, a huge plus in that offense of uh, New England, and some of the stuff he did is just totally outrageous there. Uh, from running punts to being a quarterback, throwing passes, he, he's done that at all to make contributions with the team. I would say yes. I would say it would be no reason for this man not to be considered for the amount of work he's put in and the amount of success that the New England Patriots had received from him there. Uh, totally, um, I don't know how much of a gentleman this guy is. You know, I've only met him once, okay, in, in my lifetime there, and uh, that was a trip that New England made to Detroit in a preseason game there. And that was before the last ones of the the last regime that got fired. But he, he seemed to be a, a honest type of hardworking guy, very appreciative of him being in the National Football League due to the fact of his size and his stature there. Uh, puts a lot of guts into the game and really and truly uh, – you got to give us some kind of consideration. Will he get in? I have no idea. But if I had a choice to say it, yes or no, I would vote him in. We are very much in agreement tonight, gentlemen. Uh, looking at Edelman, 12-year career uh, in the NFL. Uh, he parted ways with the franchise today after failing a physical, which paved his way to retirement. Edelman was the 232nd overall pick in the 2009 draft. Uh, he was a starter on each of the team's three most recent Super Bowl championship teams. I mean, you look at his numbers. Uh, he's second in Patriots history with 670 receptions. That's just behind Wes Welker, fourth in franchise history with just over 6,800 receiving yards, ninth with 36 touchdowns. One of his best seasons took place only a couple years ago, where he caught of uh, he caught 100 passes for over 1,100 yards and six touchdowns at age 33. Uh, what makes Edelman endearing to me is you know being such a a, a a lower high draft pick, whichever way you want to look at it. He was selected late in the draft, his work ethic and having to battle through uh, several injuries. I saw him in a preseason game a few years ago in Detroit where he got injured and he was out for the season and bounced back the next year. And so to answer your question, EJ, I, I agree with Butch. Will he get in? With those numbers, they're good, maybe not Hall of Fame worthy, but where he kind of makes me want to vote for him if I had a vote, he has three Super Bowl rings. And I like guys that win championships to make the Hall of Fame. And so Edelman gets my vote. EJ, great topic. Your thoughts? Well, and I think um, statistically, there's so many other receivers that have have done better in a 12-year period. Okay. Julian Edelman is is not the best wide receiver ever, nor did he ever pretend to be. This is a, a small California kid that that went to a school in the middle of Ohio, and it's no like if I took you guys there and I my mother graduated from here, what we say about Kent State is Kent Reed, Kent Wright, Kent State, like that's its nickname, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it, hey, listen, I'm proud of where I'm from, but that's their nickname, that's the phrase. But Julian Edelman played quarterback there did everything that coach Belichick asked for him. And if anything, I think that he deserves to be in the hall of fame because of how good of a teammate he appeared to be the shoes that he had to fill the performance that he gave and the playoff moments that he had. Okay. This is a guy that came in after Wes Welker 
who's arguably one of the greatest slot receivers you've ever seen. Wes Welker caught hundreds of passes, it felt like, every year. And I know no one's caught hundreds of passes in a year, but it felt like every time, you know, the Patriots threw cross, ball across the middle was to Wes Welker. Julian Edelman came right in and filled in those shoes and gave that team a piece that they had just lost. And he did such a good job of giving them everything that he had. You know, this is a guy that I believe over his career averaged 16 games a year, including the playoff games that he had to play in. Um, this is a guy that, you know, Butch wanted to bring up his passing. I think the last three years of his career, he was a hundred percent completion in passing. Granted, it was two for two each of those last three years. Uh, but, but this is a guy like, look at that playoff moment against Baltimore where Brady throws it backwards, a uh, backwards lateral to, to Edelman and he goes down the sideline to Danny Amendola and they connect on that play. Like that play alone, which if you look at it, they schemed up all year long waiting for that one moment and to be able to execute the way they did look at that critical catch that he made against the Atlanta Falcons in their 28 to three comeback win in that Super Bowl. between the playoff moments that Julian Edelman has provided uh, and taking into consideration, which I think is important in this situation for this kind of a player um, to take into consideration his stature, what he brought to his team and those great playoff moments he had. And then like Scott said, add the three Super Bowl victories. I think that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think that we're gonna what we're gonna see happening though is he's gonna get snubbed by guys like um you know, DeAndre Hopkins down the road. He's gonna get snubbed by a guy like maybe a Jarvis Landry down the road. Jarvis Landry's been fantastic in the, his career so far. Odell Beckham Jr., if he can stay healthy, he's gonna be one of those guys too. Julio Jones, he's gonna get overshadowed by those kind of guys, and I think that'll keep him out of the Hall of Fame. But if I have a vote, Julian Edelman goes to the Hall of Fame. Great topic, EJ. Uh, gentlemen, let's get to our thumbs up and thumbs down. we got about five minutes or so, so plenty of time. Butch Davis, we'll go to you first. Your thumbs up and thumbs down for the week or weeks, since it's been a few weeks since we've had a show. Oh, boy. You give it to me here. Thumbs down go to the Detroit Tigers and the Detroit Pistons <laughs> and the Detroit Red Wings. I sense a theme here. Uh, yeah, and you still feel a draft, too. And the wind's coming from your direction. Yes, it is. But let me tell you, right now here, buddy, it doesn't make any sense for for us to see what we're seeing, but we're going to deal with it and take it. I have to give it to them. There's a thumbs down this week. Thumbs up go to, hmm, let me see here. Thumbs up go to WrestleMania. I think they got over the hump this weekend for putting on some really uh, respectable talent and I enjoyed it, especially Saturday and especially the Bianca Belair and also Bad Bunny and that match there. Those two I'm going to be talking about for a long time there. Good stuff, Butch. Uh, I have a few thumbs up. Thumbs up to the Rudyard Bulldogs boys and girls basketball teams. The reason we haven't had a broadcast over the past few weeks is I was able to cover their games over on our sister station, Country 105, for Matt Pocket. Appreciate Matt giving the opportunity to do that. The girls made their first ever quarterfinal. The boys made their first ever state semifinal since 1960. 63 Butch, and they were knocked out that year by River Rouge, a team you know very well. Very well, which got knocked out this year in the quarters there. They did. So I, I was keeping the task on that very much so there. I knew when we talked last week that you had to make that nice, long, little, stinky little trip to Van Andel there. So 
There's no better for you. Uh, I, I, Join the club. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully for the next one, they improve their uh, Wi-Fi coverage because we had all sorts of issues, but that's a whole nother subject. Thumbs up to North Texas softball pitcher Hope Troutwine. She had a perfect game in their 3 nothing win over Arkansas Pine Bluff. She faced 21 batters. She struck out 21 batters. It was the first perfect game in North Texas history and believed to be the first perfect seven-inning game in NCAA Division I history with every out being a strikeout. What a performance by her, and certainly she gets a thumbs up. Thumbs down wow. for a fan from Iron Mountain who uh, refused to I heard about put that. on his mask during the state final on Saturday. The incident occurred in the first quarter of Iron Mountains game against Flint Beecher. The fan tossed a box of popcorn as he was removed by the Breslin Center event staff and Michigan State Police. Uh, just thumbs down to that guy. You know, we all got to do the right thing. If it put, if it means putting on a mask to watch a basketball game at the state final, then put on the darn mask. Come on, people, get real. EJ Russell, your thumbs up and thumbs down. I already gave my thumbs up away. Thumbs down to the caddy of Hideki Matsuyama. I thought that that was just a super cool moment. Like, it's and it literally, it was like, look up the replay. It's on, it's all over ESPN. It's a quick two to three second moment that just speaks volumes about respect for the game, love for the game, respect for your culture, crossing cultures. This is an awesome moment. So thumbs up to the caddy. Um, and I wish I had his name and I didn't get a chance to find it while I was preparing for this. So thumbs up to him. Um, thumbs down. For the week in sports, I'm going to give to my Columbus Blue Jackets. I know you're not doing very well this year, but to trade the large, the lightning, and then move your captain, yeah. uh, Feligno, to, to the Maple Leafs, not, nothing against Maple Leafs, but what are you telling your team when you dump your captain? You're like, that's uh, – as, and I know typically you'll hear me talk more about the Penguins because my Blue Jackets uh, – It begins with a yeah, T. Right. I'm, I'm just saying – Go ahead, EJ. It's upsetting. It's saddening, and you never seen like like seeing your captain moved on that way. No, you don't like seeing your captain moved on indeed. Well, gentlemen, it's been a great show. Certainly, it's been a few weeks in the making, but I want to thank both of you for joining us tonight, and we will talk to you both next week. So, EJ and Butch, appreciate you guys both being on the show, and uh, look forward to next week's edition of the game right here on ESPN 1400. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for our show. I want to thank our guest, uh, Dave Watson, voice of the Sioux High Blue Devils, and co-host Butch Davis and EJ Russell for joining us tonight. If you want to hear the full two-hour podcast of this show, you can find it on the website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. Great to be back here on ESPN 1400, and we will be back next Monday night for our next edition of the game here on ESPN 1400. Thanks for listening to the game here on ESPN 1400, WKNW, Sioux St. Marie's sports leader. Check us out next Monday at 6 for the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. You can hear the podcast of the show and other broadcasts at thegamesportshow.com.